mate. Welcome to The Missing Bridge in America, where two college students talk about very polarizing political issues, such as elections. But today is not going to be about elections. Today is going to be about a serious issue, where I voice change. We're going to be talking about human trafficking today. It is a very serious issue that is quite underrated in this country, sadly. But as you guys know, my name is Gannon Shook, the co-host of this podcast. And today we have the one and only Brian Escalona today. How have you been doing? I've been doing well. I've been enjoying my vacation ever since I finished FIU semester. And I have been just sort of figuring out certain things in my life right now, figuring out ways I could be more productive, even though I'm trying to kind of rest in this time before I start the fall semester in FIU. Um, but I've been able to spend more time with my family. I've been able to just have more time for myself, which is needed in certain times, right? You need that rest. But overall, pretty good. How about you? Yeah, that's good, man. And I'm doing the same, following up on the news, reading a couple books and, uh, you know, episode for another day. But Kamala Harris is Joe Biden's running mate. Oh, yeah, that's definitely some news we have to cover. And uh, That will be episode. for another day, though. On today's episode, again, we are going to be covering a quite underrated and not talked about as much issue on human trafficking. Very sick crime that happens under the sun that is not reported on as much. So we kind of want to discuss the definitions of it, how prevalent it is in the United States, what have been some anti-trafficking policies that the government has responded with to human trafficking, and then what nonprofit organizations have arose to combat this. So we first want to talk to you about the definition of human trafficking, because being honest, being real with you people for a minute, we didn't know too much about this. And I'm sure a lot of people in the country don't because there are other issues going on right now. Obviously, coronavirus, the election coming up, Black Lives Matter. Those issues are covered a lot more than this issue. And we believe that it is important enough to be covered on an episode. So we kind of want to discuss with you the definition of human trafficking before we get into how prevalent it is and then loss. So would you like to discover that for us, Brian? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and just before I cover it, I want to attest to what you were saying that it is definitely a, an untalked about topic. And it's very, very prevalent in our society, especially in the United States. So that is why we wanted to cover it. And let's just say we learned a lot. But it's definitely something I haven't researched as much. But I did learn a lot while researching. But in terms of definition, so how I found it was that human trafficking is a form of modern day slavery in which traffickers use force, fraud, or coercion to control victims for the purpose of engaging in commercial sex acts or labor services against his or her will. Now, when it comes to this definition, is that there's actually two different types, right? So the definition entails commercial sex acts and then labor services. So what exactly does this mean, right? So there's actually forced labor, which is part of human trafficking, which the definition I found is kind of lengthy, according to the U.S. Department of State. Forced labor essentially is the recruitment, harboring, transportation, provision, or obtaining of a person for labor or services through the use of force, fraud, or coercion for the purpose of subjection to involuntary servitude, peonage, debt, bondage, or slavery. So 
that's pretty much what it means. Forced labor is, it, it is definitely a self-defining thing. It is definitely something that is prevalent in our society. And I wanted to talk about within that specific definition is that according to the Polaris Project, which is this organization against human trafficking, it said the most common victims fall under undocumented immigrants within forced labor and foreign nationals as well. So essentially forced labor in the United States has specifically been tied to undocumented immigrants. And the reason for this is because due to them having a lot of H-2A visas, this specific visa you need to work here, if you are an undocumented immigrant, then they won't have access to labor unions and they face a lot of legal challenges if they do want to report forced labor, right? But also getting into sex trafficking, which is another major part of the definition, um, how, how the U.S. Department of State defines it is pretty much a commercial sex act induced by force, fraud, or coercion, or in which the person induced to perform such an act has not attained 18 years of age. And stuff like this can include escort services, which pretty much is a less explicit form of prostitution, right? Where it's not necessarily advertised with sexual activities, but it's more towards time and companionship with the person. And it's very much a less explicit version of prostitution. And then also brothels, which is a house where men meet. And that's where they essentially conduct the sex trafficking. And it's definitely a pertinent issue in our society. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on that because it entails a lot of things. Human trafficking, a lot of people think it's either sex trafficking or forced labor, but it's both of these. And it encompasses so many different things in the United States. And I just wanted to hear your thoughts. Yeah. And I agree with everything that you stated about it. And I, when analyzing it for the first time, I've got the same definition as you. And the way I see it, it really is a modern day slavery because people against their will are forced to engage in commercial sex acts and labor services, which is sick. It's, it's disgusting in, in reality. So it's upsetting where you have, when this is an issue that isn't even talked about, you know, everyone talks about the, that slavery in the United States has been outlawed historically, but internationally, and of course in the United States, that isn't the case, right? And when you refer to slavery in the United States, you refer to black people, unfortunately, and un, inhumanely being enslaved and forced to do labor by white people. And essentially that was outlawed after the civil war or during the civil war as well. And we talk about this in our fifth episode July 4th and June, uh, 4th, Juneteenth. So make sure you check that out as well. A <laughs> little bit of a plug, but of course. it is, again, this is a crime under the sun that is not talked about as much. And this, and because of the fact that we have outlawed slavery, human trafficking is something on a completely different level because it kind of, it's, it's more of a broader term. And again, as you said, there are two types of human trafficking, sex trafficking and labor trafficking, which again, both disgusting. And it's a shame that we still have people to this day engaging in those actions and trafficking people. So I wanted to ask you quickly or how prevalent it is in the United States, because again, you hear about coronavirus, you hear about the election, you hear about Black Lives Matter. Those are the issues that you mainly hear about. However, when it comes to human trafficking, how often do you find it in the United States? 
So I was actually researching some statistics because I honestly didn't know the specific number. I know that it was larger than people would think. So I was reading an article and I found that according to the Women's Center, it is estimated that between 18,000 to 20,000 victims are trafficked into the United States every year, right? And of course, this is only talking about the United States, not any other country. This is also talking about the cases that are reported, which for the most part, a lot of cases aren't reported in the United States, right? There are a lot of cases that go unreported and there are a lot of things that don't come out into the light. So to say those numbers, it is more of a, an, under, an understatement. There are definitely more cases, but thousands of cases is still enough to, to act upon it, right? And, and also, according to the human trafficking hotline, more than 50,000 cases of human trafficking in the U.S. have been reported through this hotline, and they receive 150 calls each day. So this is definitely a pertinent topic in the United States. And a lot of cases do go unreported and a lot of people do not focus on this. Right. And as I was saying, there are definitely more numbers in Latin American countries and in other countries as well that go unreported that can also be tied to people in the United States. Right. And the reason why I guess we decided to talk about this sort of on a side note is because very recently, July 30th was the Worlds Against Trafficking in Persons Day. And it was essentially a campaign from the UN promoting activism against human trafficking all over the world, right? And so when I heard about this, this is essentially why I wanted to talk about this topic because I'm like, wow, this is actually something that has been happening in the United States. And what do you think about that? Because the numbers do speak for themselves and they show that it is very much a pertinent issue. So the numbers in the U.S., and not just the U.S., but around the world are astronomical. So quickly, before I get into the U.S., I kind of want, I wanted to talk about international. So according to DoSomething.org, it's estimated that internationally, there are between 20 and 40 million people in modern slavery and human trafficking today. Assessing the full scope of human trafficking is very difficult because so many cases go undetected. And something that the United Nations refers to as the hidden figure of crime, which, again, is why we refer to as the crime that's mostly committed under the sun without being talked about. So it's, it's scary. And just in the United States alone, according to, again, DoSomething.org, estimates suggest that about 50,000 people are trafficked into the United States each year. And two of the most prominent countries where those traffickers come from are Mexico and the Philippines. So it's, again, very scary that we have this happening to 50,000 people a year, approximately. And in 2018, over half of those criminal human trafficking cases involve children. And to be exact, 51.6%, which that's sick. It's scary. It's disgusting. And that's, it's very unfortunate that we have all of these cases going on, especially with children. And then again, as I said, the UN said that this human trafficking crimes, not all of the victims are identified. And I found that internationally, only about 0.04% of survivors of human trafficking cases are actually identified, which that's crazy. 0.04%. That's, that's crazy. That's 4% of 1% of survivors. That's unbelievable. And the fact that 
over 99% of survivors of human trafficking cases are unidentified. That's, that's just insane to me. It really is. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, most definitely. It's crazy to hear that because that means that there are 99% of cases that don't go reported. And that, that, that's not even counting the people who conduct these sex trafficking and whether they are held accountable towards their actions, which the numbers would probably be a lot less than that. So it's definitely a, a pertinent topic to talk about. And it's definitely something that is absurd to think that that many children, that many people are living these lives. No one is talking about them and it is happening right now. And something I wanted to talk about, something that has been happening for the past two decades is a Jeffrey Epstein case. Because the reason I want to talk about this is because it's a very detailed and interesting case of human trafficking and how a lot of these cases may go unreported or just the criminal justice system may be flawed in giving the, the proper sentences towards these people. So if you don't know about the Jeffrey Epstein case, I think a Time article I read was really good in summarizing it and giving the main details of it. So essentially, Jeffrey Epstein was his billionaire. He was a convicted sex offender and he had allegations for paying dozens of girls as young as 14 from the year 2002, 2005 in his homes in New York and, and West Palm Beach. He was paying them to essentially have sexual relations with them, right? And the way he did this is that he had a team, right? And he would use his team to recruit these girls. And the way he would say it is that he would pay them for giving him massages. And of course, these weren't just massages. These led to a lot of sexual relations with these people. And it led to rape allegations. It led to sexual assault allegations towards him. And it happened for those years. And it was definitely something that people were pushing towards in the early 2000s to report this guy and to put him in jail. And I'd say to give him the life sentence he deserves, right? And according to a New York Times article, when this process was underwent, he had a lot of allegations towards him, right? Alexander Acosta, which actually resigned as the U.S. Secretary of Labor, right, around a year ago because of the Jeffrey Epstein case, he was actually the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of Florida at this time of the Jeffrey Epstein case. And he essentially, the Jeffrey Epstein pleaded guilty in a state court and only served 13 months in a county jail with no federal charges. So essentially, at that point, he gave him a break. He gave him a break when he didn't deserve one. It was a non-prosecution agreement between Alexander Acosta and Alan Tershawitz, which was someone who worked with Epstein. And he didn't get the amount of jail time he deserved. He didn't even get any federal charges when he had been accused of abusing dozens of women, right? And this essentially stopped FBI investigations happening towards him. And it even allowed him to work up to six days a week, right? So this didn't do a lot. And it just kind of goes to show you the prevalence that it has in our society, because this is just one of the many cases that happens. And fortunately, the Jeffrey Epstein case was able to go to court. Fortunately, it was able to at least be reported. But even at that point, there was still flaws. The plea deal was essentially, it wasn't a true sentence. For someone who has abused so many women and with all the evidence that they had, it, it is absurd for him to only serve 13 months in a county jail at that time. 
and with this comes with a lot of conspiracies that you know i I don't want to really get into but a lot of people have had conspiracies with this with like politicians and celebrities that were associated with jeffrey epstein because this man was a billionaire and he had a lot of key connections you could say and it's like according to the flight logs attained by gawker bill clinton roared on his plane around 11 times and then trump flew on his plane at least once so there has been some certain conspiracies that have come with celebrities and politicians that may have been involved with that which i'm not sure if it's true it has yet to be confirmed if it's true but it is still something that has been floating around the internet and it's definitely an interesting thing to talk about because that's kind of what has gotten the youth interested in this topic i think the conspiracies has allowed people to to sort of enter in the human trafficking realm and understand it and do research on it so if there's an any positive that comes from conspiracies it's that and I want to hear your thoughts on that because the Jeffrey Epstein case is such a big case. It's such a lengthy case. And I just want to mention it briefly. And there's a lot more to it. And it essentially shows how prevalent human trafficking is in the United States and how the criminal justice system may be flawed in a lot of ways with not giving the right sentences. And even if these criminals get charged for a crime, they don't necessarily get the right punishments. So the Epstein case is the most prevalent sex trafficking case when describing human trafficking. Because as you said, Jeffrey Epstein had so many connections to so many notable people, President Clinton, President Trump, and Prince Andrew as well. So again, this easily would be one of the most prevalent cases or arguably the most prevalent case in human trafficking. So... In addition to the Jeffrey Epstein case, there have been many anti-trafficking policies implemented in the United States, which I'll give you some laws that are in effect to combat human trafficking, but are not limited to. And all of these are from the United States Department of Homeland Security, and I'm reading them exactly as they are. So the first one that comes to mind is the United States Code, in specifically Chapter 22, Section 78. It describes human trafficking, the definition of it, and the efforts made by the government to combat it. The second is one of the most notable acts to combat human trafficking, the Victims of Trafficking and Violence Prevention Act, the TVPAW. TVPAW combats trafficking in persons, especially into the sex trade, slavery, and involuntary servitude. It has been reauthorized three times since its initial passage, once in 2003, two years later in 2005, and then three years later in 2008 the 2008 reauthorization being the most recent. The third is the Customs and Facilitations and Trade Enforcement Reauthorization Act of 2009. In sections 307 to 308 of this act, it amends the original Tariff Act of 1930 to include provisions to prohibit the importation of goods to the United States made by benefit of human trafficking or forced labor, which is quite interesting when you think about that. And it's good that the government was able to take it a step further and block the importation of goods if they were produced by human traffickers. The fourth act I want to mention is the Intelligence Reform Act and Terrorism Prevention Act of 2004. Section 7202 of the act established the Human Smuggling and Trafficking Center to achieve greater integration and overall effectiveness in the U.S. government's enforcement and other response efforts, and to work with foreign governments to address the separate but related issues of alien smuggling, trafficking in persons, and criminal support of clandestine terrorist, terrorist travel. 
The fifth one is the PROTECT Act, also known as the Prosecutorial Remedies and Other Tools to End the Exploitation of Children Act, Today Act of 2003, which intends to protect children from abuse and sexual exploitation, a common element of child human trafficking. And as I said, over 51% of human trafficking cases are related to children, which is scary. The sixth one is the Civil Effect Forfeiture Reform Act of 2000, also known as CAFRA. The department fights human smuggling and trafficking through the insurance of CAFRA, which provides notice to property owners whose properties have been identified as being used to facilitate smuggling or harboring aliens. It is an important tool because many employers turn a blind eye to the facilitation of criminal activity on their properties. And the oldest regulation that has been implemented by the U.S. government is the Mann Act of 1910. The Mann Act is, and its subsequent amendment resolutions makes it a felony to knowingly persuade, induce, entice, or coerce an individual to travel across state lines to engage in prostitution or attempts to do so. It is an effective tool to use to prosecute human traffickers. So as you can see, those are the seven main laws and regulations that have been used to combat human trafficking, and it isn't enough. There needs to be more done about this, but the first thing that we need to do is talk about it more. It needs to be brought yes. up more. And then recently, federal and state efforts have been focusing on regulating the tourism industry because they believe, and statistical studies have shown, that that is where a lot of human trafficking happens, i.e. Super Bowls, amusement parks, concerts, etc. So it is, again, a very repellent issue, and it's unfortunate that this isn't as talked about as other issues because this, again, is very dangerous. And this is my reminder to everyone, if you are out at an amusement park, presumably after COVID, if you're out in public at a tourism industry, make sure that you are very careful and you are hyper aware of who you are around. And if someone is acting suspicious to you, call the police, get yes. them reported, because it is important that you keep yourself safe and that you don't fall into the trap of somebody who is a human trafficker. Yeah, yeah. I think that you were you were talking about the Super Bowl, right? And I it, it's it's very interesting how people don't realize that there are a lot of places where this happens and you don't even realize it. You go to certain cities, you you go to certain areas such as Miami, New York, California. This happens in a lot of the major cities there. And so in terms of the Super Bowl, I was reading more about it and since this is such a big event, there is actually a place where human trafficking happens heavily. And in 2014, in New Jersey, the FBI rescued around 25 child victims and charged 45 pimps. This is according to the Los Angeles Times. It's crazy. We don't realize it and it's happening before our eyes. So as Kanan was saying, we, we have to talk about this more. The, the way we start to combat this is talking about it more. And you were also mentioning some of the policies that have been implemented and you see these policies and they seem good. They seem like great policies. However, how well has it been enforced? How well has it been enforced in the criminal justice system? How well has the law enforcement placed it as a priority considering its magnitude of severity in our country, right? That's where organizations come in. So there's been a lot of organizations that have come about because of this, right? And one of the main ones being is Polaris. And Polaris is essentially this organization that created a national human trafficking hotline. And that's something that I had mentioned before, where they receive around 150 calls per day. 
and it has helped to create more data towards human trafficking and sort of inform the people of the human trafficking. But there are also organizations who help do the operations, conduct all these trials, these investigations, and one of them being the Underground Railroad organization founded by Tim Ballard in 2013. I had actually seen a video of him before, and he was talking about some of his experiences in rescuing some of these people in Latin America who were under human trafficking. And it's really, really inspiring the stories he tells because he's very detailed. And he even talks about like certain kids that, that he talked to and how he had to disguise himself as someone who was buying a kid in order to be able to rescue them. So he essentially told some of the kids that he was actually going there to rescue them, not to buy them, right? And he works with former CIA agents. He works with some other highly skilled operatives. And of course, all of this is in conjunction with law enforcement, whether it be in the United States and Latin America, with the embassies as well. He does this all under law enforcement, so he does this legally, correct? And another story is that he's rescued over 24 young women in Latin America in an operation he did a few years ago. So to say these organizations are successful is an understatement. They are essentially helpful to combating this issue. And another one that I wanted to talk about is one that was started by Ashton Kutcher, uh, this famous celebrity that we all know. And he started a nonprofit. He called it Thorn. And it was essentially made to combat human trafficking. And he was able to identify over 5,000 child victims and rescue over 100 in 2017. So these organizations have more power than we think they do. And it is essentially something to talk about because... It can't be done with the government by themselves. The government has a lot on their plate and human trafficking hasn't unfortunately been on their priority list. But I only mentioned a few organizations, but it is very much helpful when it comes to combating human trafficking. Yeah, and I, I hear you on that. And it's good that we have nonprofit organizations, non-governmental organizations, if you will, that are aimed at combating human trafficking. Because as you said, the government can't do it alone. So there needs to be organizations out there that are aimed at reducing this because as we said earlier, human trafficking is one of the most undetected crimes in the world. And as I said earlier, 0.04% of survivors are identified, which is scary. So it's important that we are able to dig into the ground deeper and discover more human trafficking operations and get those human traffickers arrested and given them the jail time that they deserve. Yeah, I agree completely. And that's all to say that if you are dealing with this, if you are a victim of it, or if you know people who are fallen victim towards this, I suggest you call the hotline 1-888-373-7888. This is the National Human Trafficking Hotline. And it works 24 hours, seven days a week. And if you are dealing with this, or if you know someone who's dealing with this, you can call that number and they will assist you with whatever you need. However, as Gannon was saying, a lot of these cases can be undetected. But human trafficking is a very much pertinent issue in our society. It is very much something that needs to be talked about more. And that is essentially the reason why Gannon and I decided to do this episode, to talk more about it, to promote this topic so that more people can have conversations about it. More people can start their own organizations because it's truly inspiring to see what people do 
the power that we have to unite and form our own organizations, to form our own groups, to combat the issue is truly inspiring the effort it takes, but also the successes it's had. But each organization has played a part in helping combat this issue and helping to prevent it. If you are a victim of human trafficking, Brian, as you mentioned, had post that number. But it's very important that you guys, I understand it's very difficult to speak on traumatic experiences for a few people, quite a lot of people, but you aren't alone. And if you do call that number, you will be able to get the help you need. And you need to be very hyper aware of who you surround yourself with, because you never know. These people are secretive. So you need to be very aware of who you're around, where you are. And if you do happen to be a victim of human trafficking, there is a number to call and there is a police station nearby that you can report to. That's pretty much it though. And I think that wraps it up for our episode today. And I understand that this topic was very difficult. This this topic was difficult for us to kind of wrap our heads around a little bit, but I, for the most part, I think we grasped it. Didn't you agree though? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, of course, we're not going to give all the information there is about human trafficking. This is merely the start of a conversation, right? Guy and I agree that human trafficking is not talked about enough. And as you said, a lot of this goes under the radar in terms of political issues, social issues. A lot of this isn't talked about enough. And this is merely a conversation starter. So I suggest you guys start to have conversations about this. And if you fall victim of this, call the hotline. Do your part. Support these organizations. Because in that way, you will help better combat the issue at hand. But with that being said, there's definitely a lot of things to talk about. But we gave you a gist of what is happening in the United States, how prevalent it is, and how you yourself can join in and combat the issue. That pretty much wraps up our episode. I suggest you guys follow us on Instagram at The Missing Bridge if you haven't. We did a Q&A recently. It was successful. We will be doing much more Q&As in the future. And we will also be providing more content for you guys in that Instagram. And perhaps we will expand ourselves to other social media outlets in the near future as well. But with that being said, we thank you guys for listening to our podcast, listening to this episode. And we hope you have an amazing day.